The gospel reading this morning is from Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 and 21 through 22. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. By the chaff he will burn with the unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. So, I've been told by some that I have a pretty healthy ego. I know, right? It's a little hard to believe. (laughs) I've been told at times that my ego has its own climate, for example. Or that I like hats, but they don't really make them that big, Pastor Curtis. That I am a self-made man who worships his creator. Wait, wait for that one. That one. <laughs> and I got to say, there's a, little, there's a little bit of truth to that. I don't think, I don't think you, I think it takes a certain amount of chutzpah to, uh, you know, to become a preacher and to do this kind of stuff. But on the other hand, I also thrive when I feel a sense of affirmation from other people and from God as well. Indeed, I never would have gone into this business unless there were people who affirmed in me gifts that would make my passion for the church a real honest-to-goodness calling. And probably more importantly, I never would have become a pastor if I did not feel that God had planted and affirmed that calling as well. But one need not look at something so lofty as a call to the pastorate for this yearning for affirmation. Again, in spite of my strong sense of self, uh, from an early age, like so many people, I really wanted to fit in. I really wanted people to like me and affirm who I was. As a teenager, I found myself in constant search for the formula that would give me this affirmation that I seemed to crave. Constantly figuring out who I was, what was my look, what was my, what was my bag, you know, what's my label, right? I was the goofy guy, I guess. Goofy drama geek kind of thing uh, in that regard, but I think this need for affirmation certainly is not isolated to me. I think it's part of our human makeup. We all want to feel like we fit in, amen? And we all need to be affirmed in who we are, to be loved, to be cherished even. And as I look at this text today, it seems to me this is exactly what Jesus receives in His baptism. The story of Jesus' baptism has a rare privilege of being a story that appears in all four of the Gospels. Luke and Matthew's story is taken in part from, Ma- from Mark, who authored it first. And whenever there's a story like this, 
this, and that's particularly shared among Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I like to note the differences. It's important to kind of look at the differences. That is, what did Luke change about Mark's version of the story or Matthew's version of the story? Because when we note that, it tells us a bit about what Luke is trying to convey through the retelling of these stories. There's several things that are a bit different between the two. The location and the timing of the story, for example, is different in all the different tellings. And I would note that in Luke's telling, Jesus doesn't say anything if you reread it. He's kind of passively the receiver of baptism. Furthermore, the actual baptism isn't recorded at all in Luke. It merely says that Jesus was baptized along with everyone else who was there. And when everyone was done being baptized, Jesus was praying. And it was when Jesus was praying that the, that the Holy Spirit descended upon Him in the bodily form of a dove. And Luke goes out of his way to say it's the bodily form of a dove in his baptism. Now I could spend a long time kind of exploring all of that, but what stands out to me today is that when the heavens open up and the voice of God comes, it comes not to the people standing around, but the words of affirmation are spoken directly to Christ Himself. In Matthew, the words coming from God are to all the other people kind of standing around. This is My Son. My beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And, and in another telling, it says, listen to him. Well, that's in the transfiguration. but it, uh, It's for the benefit of everyone standing around watching this baptism event. But in Mark and in Luke, the words are directly addressed to Christ. You are my son. It is, you are my beloved. In you, I am well pleased. So we observe here that at Jesus' baptism, His identity as the beloved Son of God is affirmed. And it is not, in this instance, for our benefit, but for His. For His own sake, Jesus was affirmed in His calling and in His identity. And what I want to say today is that I believe that God's affirmation to Christ is God's affirmation to us as well. Each one, each one of us, beloved sons and daughters of God in whom God is well pleased. For Jesus, this proclamation was not just a pronouncement that came on the heels of all of His many great works. It was the thing that preceded any activity that would be considered Christ-like. I mean, in other words, Jesus hasn't done anything yet. (laughs) He was born. I mean, it it was a pretty impressive birth, but He wasn't really involved in that necessarily. The bulk of the work was carried by others. And now Jesus is merely responding to the call of John. And in the midst of that, before doing anything else, God reveals to Christ or, or affirms in Christ, You are My Son. In You I am well pleased. You are my beloved. As if that were the foundation on which Jesus built His entire ministry. It's as if God is saying, don't ever forget this. Because it's going to get ugly out there. Don't ever forget that you are my beloved. And that I am pleased in you. 
I think about this particular affirmation that the notion that I'm pleased with who you are and what you are going to become being imparted to him. And I, you know, I think about that with my own children. How hard it is sometimes for them to hear in the midst of all the what I call character shaping, but you know, I'm sure they call it something else. <laughs> uh, but in the midst of all the character shaping, how hard it probably is to hear that in my heart of hearts, they are my beloved children in whom I am well pleased, whom I love above all else. And on that is what we ought to build the relationship. And perhaps in this affirmation that comes to Christ comes the strength and the motivation to become the Son of God He was called to be. Perhaps without it, He would have doubted Himself and doubted His calling. And we wouldn't be here today. And so it is for us that we, affirmed by God, are encouraged to become the sons and daughters of God that we were created to be. We too, in our relationship with God, are invited to hear the voice coming from heaven saying to us, you are my child. You are my beloved. I'm pleased with you. These words may come from heaven, but they don't come out of the blue. They echo God's words from Isaiah long before Jesus ever used them. Do not fear, it says in 43. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are precious in my sight and honored. And I love you. I, got to, uh, I met with a, a rabbi from uh, uh, Beth Colomy, uh, a local synagogue here recently and there was a Lutheran pastor with us as well and we were talking about this text because in their rotation Isaiah has come up this week as well and we were talking about the significance of God calling by name that there is this understanding that that when God uses your name it's imparting on you a sense of God's God, that God knows who you are and knows your identity. And if you read the Old Testament, you're, it's, it's easy to see that names and the meanings of names become so significant. And they're so important. And they seem to impart more than just a sense of, uh, of being identified. But it's as if God is seeing within you certain things. And so when Isaiah here says, I know you by name, it's as if God is saying to you and me, I know you in your heart of hearts. I know who you are. I know you in a way that you don't even know yourself. I know what you can become. What you are called to become. And it will be my job for as long as you live to try and reveal that to you so that you can become who you've been called to become. It's an amazing gift that God begins by saying, I know who you are, and you are my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Now let's live into that as you grow, as you march 
I don't I, <laughs> I guess <laughs> as you march on your journey of faith I'm hurrying <laughs> it's always something isn't it <laughs> God remembers us Isaiah says in fact God reassures us I have inscribed you on my palm in my hand Isaiah 49 says God's love didn't start yesterday or even in the New Testament. It is from of old. And it is focused on each one of us whom God knows by name. We belong to God. And God loves us. No matter what happens, no matter how low and discouraged you feel, no matter what is happening around you or what has happened before or what may happen in the future in your life. Don't you ever, ever let anyone tell you that you are anything less than the precious and beloved child of God. And we're invited to live into that, to understand the truth of that. And to look in the mirror and allow God to reveal that to us. The truth of this evidence is, is there by God's Holy Spirit that's within each and every one of us. Just as sure as I have passed my DNA onto my own children, we have received a portion of God's self in the form of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's part of our makeup that we are beloved children of God. We can't help it. And then it's just a matter of seeing it within us and within others. And that Spirit gets stirred up in worship and prayer. A Spirit that comforts in time of need. That heals in time of sickness. That Spirit that serves as the connecting point for ourselves and God and ourselves and each other. That same Spirit is the constant reminder that we are the Beloved of God inscribed on the palm of God's hand. What this affirmation is for us and what this affirmation is for Jesus is freedom. Freedom from needing to be what others expect us to be. Freedom from the fear of rejection. If, if, someone, if something is lacking in me, God can provide it. I need not pretend or put on a show or pretend to be something I'm not. At times when I feel like I lack compassion, I can go to God and say, God, you know I need compassion. Put it within me. And rather than faking compassion, God can be the source of that compassion within my heart and soul through the Holy Spirit. So what I hear God telling Jesus is that who you are is exactly who I made you to be and you can become everything I need you to become to accomplish the things that I need you to accomplish. You have what you need. I've given it to you. You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
You and I also lack nothing to become the whole, joy-filled, full person God created us to be. Whatever you are called to be, whatever you are equipped to be, God has provided everything. Whatever we as a church are called to be, we are equipped to be. God has provided. And so I conclude with this, that God's affirmation is our starting point. It's not the end. It's where we begin. And we can build a life of joy, a life of health and wholeness, a life of fulfillment based on that foundation that you are a son or a a daughter of God. The Beloved in whom God is well pleased. Let us pray. A loving God, with this sacred baptism we read about today, where we see Your affirmation of who Jesus is, we hear Your voice speaking those words to ourselves as well. May we indeed begin as Your beloved children and build on that as we seek to move down this journey of faith. Be with us as we live into what You created us to be. We thank You that You are ever-present and ever-gracious and ever-full of mercy. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.